Hey everybody, this is Nate Smoyer and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around, you're in the right place. So Nate, this is going to be a show where you're interviewing me, so let's get right at it. Yeah, this is weird. You've done the intro, and then I'm coming in to, to do the interview, but we'll roll with it since yeah. people are watching. Uh, you are watching a live recording of the Tech Nest podcast, where we feature leaders and innovators in real estate technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. That's why we've got Noel on the show. I appreciate your time and lending your LinkedIn live cred. Uh, so for people who may be turn, you know, tuning in because I'm on the show, I know your, your people know who you are, but go ahead, introduce yourself. Sure. Let everyone know who you are and what you do. So, yeah, uh, I am the Senior Vice President of uh, Portfolio Services for Renters Warehouse. We are a um, vertically integrated property management, investor services, real estate company. Uh, and what I do with Renner's Warehouse is a lot. I've been here for about three years, kind of since the beginning, not since the beginning of Renner's Warehouse, but since the beginning of the new iteration of Renner's Warehouse. And we are, you know, I, I run all of our mergers and acquisitions, really more acquisitions when we're buying other property management companies. And that's what we interviewed on before talking about kind of what we're doing on the property management side. Right. And I also am a big part of our portfolio services, our portfolio services and our investor marketplace is there to serve investors who want to invest into single family rentals. And I focus on some of the larger mid-sized investors that are buying portfolios, but we're in 41 markets. We manage about 22,000 homes. We manage these for 14,000 investors who all want to learn how to buy more real estate. Um, and our, the, our goal is to really um, set the level of service in this space. And it's been so exciting to be in a space that has nothing. It started with nothing. Up till a few years ago, the single family rental space was a, was a, 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 a somebody going to a, a real estate brokerage that didn't know much about investing, buying a home and kind of figuring out themselves how to invest and, and, and cap rate yields and all that. And it's changing. And so we're starting from scratch in a mm. very disruptive time in the real estate space with technology. So our starting from scratch is able to leverage. There's no bad habits. It's what's mm. amazing. There's no bad habits mm. in this space. It is ripe for investment. I mean, put it this way. We manage about 20, 22,000 homes and we're it, the largest, if not the largest, one of the largest, if not the largest third-party manager of, of single family homes. And there's 17 million single family homes in this country. So you know a lot of that too on, on your side of your bit. company. So, so <laughs> here we are. Well, we, we won't totally flip the script here. I, I'll it's still okay. be interviewing you today. We'll, we'll save that okay. one for another day. But yeah. so what people don't, you know, a lot of people don't know, you've been on the show previously. We'll start with that first. Season two, episode 12. I had to look it up. It's been that long ago. It feels like a long time for me. We're on right. season, season five now. Um, and so you're officially the first return guest. So, uh, extending an extra special thank you to that uh, for coming back on the show. So you gave a, a great overview of Renner's Warehouse, uh, even painted a picture a little bit of opportunity. And the opportunity, you know, this is something that I, I don't think people have thought of a lot um, as far as size, the magnitude that exists with single family rentals. And so, but with that, you guys have gone through some changes 
uh, even since the last time we've talked, you've added to the company. There's been a few mergers, acquisitions. What are some of those notable acquisitions that Renner's Warehouse has, has done in the last uh, year or so? Yes. Yeah, so the beginning of this year, beginning of 2019, we acquired a company that the the owner of that company was de- near and dear to me. I've known him for a really long time. It's called Own America. Own America was a platform um, to buy and sell real estate portfolios of single family homes, single family rentals. And they mostly operated virtually and leveraged some different agents and things like that in different markets. Um, but it was great because they were on the forefront. They've been doing this for a long time. Um, you know, Greg Rand, Adam Stern, two great guys who are now with our company um, that I work with hand in hand on a daily basis. And Greg's now the chief strategy officer. Adam is one of one of my colleagues as senior vice president as well as, as like myself. And what we've done is we've taken that platform. Now we've leveraged it across our 41 markets where we have boots on the ground with agents in those wow. markets. And we've gone from a property management company to a full service. I, you know, People ask me what I do. I say I'm part of a real estate advisory company focused on the single family rental space. Because now we're a full service investor, sir, investor uh, company, investment services company. And we really use that the, the property management as that basis. So that was the base that we have our customer base, which is really hard to get in this space to have that many customers. Um, we added on a real estate brokerage and we did that. We, so we rolled that out about March 1st. Um, now as of July 18th, we've rolled out an investment portal and research for research and planning. So, so we, so we had that on our site, but it was kind of the old site bolted on. Now it's all new. So you can go in and in all of our markets, um, starting out in 25 markets first, it'll be in 40 markets, uh, by the end of the third quarter or so. It, wow. it, it, it is MLS data all pulled in. Um, it is our own listings, um, you can search by yield. You can search by cap, or, um, gross cap rate, net cap rate, bed, bath, market, you know, um, all, all kinds of data because there's so much data out there. And, right. and, and then we have a lot of, uh, of investors. We have institutional investors. We have midsize investors, which is really interesting in the space right now as a midsize investor that can come in. And now you can go and look in Chicago and say, oh, great, here's a property that's, that's an 8% return. I want to buy it. Now, previously, the only way to find that property was an investor-focused real estate agent would hand deliver that to you and say, look, here's this property. Yep. Otherwise, you go to a, an MLS portal, an MLS site, and none of that, that investment information is there. And, uh, right. If you want, they, well, they sell the homes vacant or prefer correct. to sell the homes vacant. And, and, and these are vacant. Uh, okay. Some of the homes are vacant, and then we're also going to be showing tenanted homes. And, there, and we were surprised to find out there's a lot of tenanted homes being marketed on the MLS without any data behind them. It just says, hmm. you know, call to find out information. So we can market all those same homes. We'll cooperate with the brokers. It's obviously all the MLS rules, but... Yeah, and I suppose that it def- definitely depends on the market. I mean, in some markets, selling as a single-family home to, you know, someone who wants to occupy it will go for higher than the investment value. But obviously that's where, you know, finding these pockets and this has been tough. Uh, this market where that we're in right now, especially certain cities, the, the yields aren't available in your local Correct. areas. You've got to go somewhere else. So you guys have put together this big marketplace. You, you already have, you, you talked about it. You, you had that the foundation of you're already providing property management services. 
you bring in Own America and they're already working with institutionalized investors and portfolios. So now you've got inventory, you have the agents on the ground to help facilitate the deal who work investor first. Why all do this now? Why, why not wait until the market totally crashes like some people are hoping for because then they'll be able to buy at the bottom. <laughs> well, for one, um, and I know you've got a few things to say on that <laughs> for, for one. And, uh, Clayton Collins, who's listening from housing wire knows I have shout out Clayton Collins. For, for the shout out Clayton Collins. Uh, I have opinion on that. Look, it's not the same market that it was back in 2005, six, seven. It's right. uh, driven, you know, our market, uh, bubble is driven by lack of inventory. Um, and it's driving. So, so it's funny, we're finding a lot of people that come to us to rent a house are also looking to buy a house, but they're kind of dual tracking this. And yeah. so we might have somebody that's looking to buy a house that can't find a house they want to live in. So they rent from us and then they also buy an investment property from us. How about that thought? So somebody comes in Seattle and, and they would love to buy a house. They either can't afford the house that they want. So they rent a house that they need. And then they buy a house from us for an investment purposes in Kansas City or Florida or any of these other markets where you can get some yield or even looking in some of the tertiary markets that uh, perform really well. So it's we're doing it now because there's a need and the space is becoming institutionalized. The technology is there to do it. Um, you know, we're, we've got our full services. We're, we're in Salesforce 100%. I think the last time we talked, we were talking about being in Salesforce. Now we're in Salesforce. And so we manage everything in Salesforce from our from our property management to our investment services, wow. dashboards, all that kind of stuff. So it's the time is now. The need is there. I've been in this space since 2000. Well, I've been in real estate forever. I was in commercial real estate to start. I got into the single family investment space in, uh, after, the, after the Great Recession. I have not seen this much enthusiasm for the single family rental space since the period of 2012 to 15. See, I've got my own theories on that and some of it, I think you can back up, but uh, I think, I think part of it, I mean, we, we hear about, uh, uh, my folk millennials not buying whether we don't want to can't, it's not can't, can't is not true, but uh, you know, whether we don't want to, and, you know, we want the flexibility, but we also want the lifestyle. So, we, we you know, we don't want to be locked down, but we also want the lifestyle of what comes with that. You know, you get the house, you get the yard, you can have cookouts, you know, you can talk with your neighbor about how many horsepower your ride behind tractor lawnmower is, but you don't have to own the house. And, well, yeah. And you can decide to move to Chicago and take that job you want to take, right? So... <laughs> True story, right there. True, true, true story, right? So you, the, and I, and I, we've looked a lot into this. You know, there's there's an issue with savings. Um, the the house you can afford to rent to buy the house you want to buy. A lot of people don't have the the income for it, or not the income, don't have the savings for it because they've used yeah. their disposable income on experiences. And so there's a lot of uh, a lot out there about how it's better to have a have a life of experience and a life of material possessions. That right. being said, you can continue to rent be flexible, and then invest. Um, the barrier of entry to investing into a, um, a, a rental investment property is much lower than the barrier of entry to the house that you want to live in to buy. Right, right. And, and, and so a lot of people go crazy with Gary Vaynerchuk saying, you know, homeownership is overrated. Well, he's got a point. He didn't say owning real estate is overrated. He didn't say investing is overrated. But why leverage yourself to the tilt so that you can live in this house and then have nothing yeah. left to invest into your future. So flip it around, invest, and then own the house. 
own the house that you want, not have a house leveraged owned by a bank. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think last year I did, uh, I did probably about $3,500, $4,000 in upgrades, repairs, things to a rental. Uh, I don't think I spent a fraction of that on the house I was renting. Right. You know, and you know, the rent we pay is several hundred dollars less than the mortgage on that investment property. So, you know, it's for me, I'm, I mean, it's a mathematical equation, but I guess everyone else is different, but so, okay, let's go back to the, the marketplace here. Cause I really sure. want to give of you guys a take on this. So, so um, we talked about like, you guys are already working with institutionalized investors, but then you also have people who maybe have like one or two properties so they're looking for professional management. Um, are you seeing both audiences want to use a marketplace like this? Are you seeing equal demand or is it just the people who are just trying to get into it or the really experienced? It's, it's all the above. So we have on our, what we call our portfolio services division, we have more of the experienced bigger investors that come to us. And some of them say, Hey, I want to buy a portfolio. I have money to invest, or I have a 1031 exchange or, you know, you know, look, there's a lot of people invested in the single family rentals in the right areas um, right. the last five or six years. And now they're cashing out and they're 1031 exchanging. Some of them are exchanging into a different asset class. Some of them are exchanging into a different market. Some people are exchanging out of uh, California market and want to diversify and buy single family rentals. So you get those type of people. And then on a local level, and that's what makes us so interesting since we have our agents in all of our markets on a local level, you have investors who want who, who see this and see these they see this right now what we're doing and yeah. they want to invest but they need their handheld and they need somebody to walk them through that process and that's something that we do now we do that in all of our markets and then we have some partners in markets that we're not physically in yet that can help us with that as well and so we're trying to take the best of turnkey providers and what we're doing and, and kind of build all that together and have a marketplace where somebody can instead of having to pay all of this money to have somebody tell you how and where to invest. We're tra- we're giving that away for free and saying, here you go. You can do a lot of research yourself. You can do what, what the millennials want to do. And what most people want to do is research themselves, look at, you know, right. mess around. And then when they get to the point and they say, Hey, I need help with this. Somebody's there to help them. And they're not, you know, all over them about, uh, you know, trying to join their club and, and, you know, education services. So, and nothing wrong with that. There's some great, great education that you can get, but it's, you know, in this world that we have with a lot of disruption, in the real estate, the less middlemen there are, the better it is because you can now go direct and, yeah. uh, it's, it's direct to consumer. So, yeah, I think, I still think that there's a lot of room. Obviously we have to educate people and, and there's got to be, I think, a lot of clarity brought to the surface. I often hear pushback. No, 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 no. People always have to have a professional. They're always going to have to have someone. And while I, I to a degree, I, I agree with that, right? Every time you make a big decision for most people, there's a little bit of like nervousness or fear or uncertainty. And so you need someone to make sure and assure you that the process is going to work. But see, this is, this is based on the old system where all the information was guarded right. and kept in books and, and you, you had only the, the professional to rely on. Whereas this, this is the next step forward as far as I'm concerned. This is putting everything out there in, in the open, you know, for people to be able to see and evaluate and uh, work through on their own and make informed decisions, not just based on what one representative told them just because a state gave them a license makes them qualified for that. You know, that's, 
And so that's why I love I love seeing because it, it puts it out there and really removes the the barriers to entry. So now you were telling me a little bit before the show started about the amount of listings you guys have. So I'd love to hear a little bit about like, what are you doing to attract investors to put listings onto the site? What's some of the strategy behind growing uh, the amount of inventory you have? Well, so one of the reasons we are bringing in the MLS feeds to our site is to just make more people aware and, and able to go on there and search MLS properties and our own listings. But really the only way to grow your listings is to do it organically. And that is one listing at a time. That is through relationships. That's through an army of agents on the ground that are going to all the RIAs. They're, they're, I mean, we, you know, we hired, uh, for example, VaynerMedia to uh, really help us, help teach us on how we can promote ourselves. And not just promoting our brand, it's promoting the individuals within our company, oh, within so you our had, brand. You actually had Gary, Va- uh, Gary V's agency working with you guys on some of your marketing? Yes, we do. We, we, uh, we actually did one of the, the real estate industry or are there others as well? Um, I, I don't know of any others, um, to be honest. And, uh, and it's a Sasha group. So it's a sm- smaller business group. I mean, we're not, you know, yeah. we're not the, the big, big brands, but it's, uh, and, and that's how, I mean, that's how we got this LinkedIn live show was, uh, I started turning on the video in my car when I was driving and you're talking about housing news that I thought was, you know, there's great data out there. How it's interpreted is, is, is not very good. And so that really started getting people thinking and then looking at things and, and, you know, don't read the headlines, read between the lines, watch people like us to really help disseminate some of this information. And, um, it's, it's really working because you, you know, we've got guys all over the country in our company is turning on the video in their car, talking about what they're doing for their day. What, you know, what, what their passions are about and not just about business promoting their business, but, but talking about themselves and what they're, what they're passionate about. So, um, and, and it's, and it's working really well and we're getting a lot of traction and, you know, we have some competitors. Roofstock is a competitor of ours. Um, SVN is another competitor of ours. They're, we're all different and we're all doing something different. And we have some competitors in the property management space and it's great. The more the merrier. Um, yep. and, and the space is really being institutionalized and, and it benefits the small investor more than anything because the things we have to do to service our large, larger investors, those efficiencies trickle down to the smaller investors. The technology that we have to put in place to service them in order for us to be profitable, we have to be very efficient and technology drives that. Um, it's not worth us worth it for us to have 41 markets and all operate individually and it's not very efficient. We have to centrally manage and 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 do that. And so but the marketplace is just the next iteration and it's and, um, it's very exciting. Yeah, I think it's kind of cool to see both um, you know you guys get up and run in the way that you're approaching this and you know comparing uh, comparing how Roofstock is doing it, you know, cuz I have been familiar with them. We've had Roofstock on the show as yep. well. Good Great guys. Here. And uh, you know, I think that probably that's that's a good form of healthy competition right there. You guys will push each other who does it better and and, and scratches the the itch. Uh, well, we, we we do business together. I mean, yep. you know, we have, we've had buyers, our, some of our buyers buy some of their stuff. We've had some of their people buy some of ours. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's all going together. I think eventually it's going to merge together a little bit more. We talked about that a little bit before, you yep. know, people are building these marketplaces. Our marketplace, um, our MLS feed is one thing, but our listings that we have are all exclusive listings. We don't put other people's listings on our site unless it's coming directly from the MLS. And that's serving a purpose for the smaller investor. Um, yep. 
but you know, we, we purged quite a few off, off of our site that, that, you know, it has to be sellable, right? So it's, it's gotta be something that it, it, somebody can come in and buy. And that's really I had important. one of those listings that wasn't sellable. <laughs> Actually yep. I had a few, but, uh, then <laughs> we all go down that rabbit trail. So, um, what's been some of the early feedback from, from some of your customers? I mean, cause this marketplace is less than a year old. So it's very new to have the amount of inventory you have, the amount of traction you have. What's some of that, um, the, the, the early feedback you're hearing so far? Well, the feedback's been great. I mean, we, we, before we launched our new site, so we'll see how the traffic goes, but we're getting about 5,000 unique visitors a day. Um, onto our marketplace. And that was without doing anything to it. That was just bolting it on wow. the way it was. And so, and I, I see all the leads coming through. We get a lot of um, new investors that want to invest into real estate. They're, they're not interested in paying for a, a, you know, expensive education program. And it's hard to weed through and find the right ones. Um, and they, they just, they're, they're yearning for knowledge. Um, a lot of people that live in more expensive markets that want to, that want to invest, they see the benefit of owning, um, you know, and a lot of them are our own customers that come to us and say, Hey, I want to sell my house. It's like, why? Well, because I've had it for five years and it's gone up in value. Okay, great. So you should own it for another 10 years or 15 years or 20 years and then buy more and create a portfolio. Um, and so the, the, the feedback's been great. We've taken a lot of feedback to add, make some changes on our site, um, to make it a little bit more intuitive, um, to bring in more data and information because we're not, we're not making promises. We're not selling houses and saying, Hey, you're guaranteed you're going to get this rent and guaranteed this kind of, uh, you know, we're, we're not that. And that's not what it is. And that's not what real estate investing is. Um, well, so. I mean, there's no guarantee in any investing and, you know, but that's the, I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about real estate, you know, and I don't, I don't want to harp on this, but I mean, this is one of the things I get most passionate about. It's a real thing. It's tangible. It serves some of the most basic fundamental human needs and desires that we all have a place to call home, a roof, a shelter, a safe place. And so when we can, when we package that up together and we can create business models like this, that enable newer investors to get an opportunity to have something like that. I think that's that's amazing. That's really great in so many angles. Um, let's let, let's shift a little bit here. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm curious though. Uh, so, uh, of all the different, you know, you, you guys are across. You said 20 some markets already. Yeah, so we're in 41 markets. Uh, 41 markets, but okay. of course, so so we have quick history. We used to be a franchisor. Right. We're invested into private equity. We, we bought back most of our franchise franchises um, and acquired a bunch of other companies. And um, we still have a few franchisees left uh, that we service fully. We don't do any more right. franchises, but you know those are going to be the second phase adopting into into our site. So it's all it's all together. But yeah, twenty five right now as far as the MLS feeds. But we're in forty one markets. Got it. So where, for, for the people that want to purchase properties that like you have on the marketplace, where are you seeing the most growth? Where are you seeing these properties that are still have enough room, so to speak, to make something back? Where are you seeing the most growth? So I, we're seeing it in, in that Rust Belt, Midwest, um, Southeast areas. I mean, well, the second, the other thing that's interesting is I'm seeing growth in the second and third tier markets. So if you take the top 100 markets, take the, the, the bottom 
50, uh, because of the barriers being taken away and because of less friction to be able to buy, sell, and trade. Because you know, the, one of the purposes of creating these marketplaces, and we're all, the, all everyone who's doing it, is to create this more liquidity. So the yeah. to, to enable you to sell your, your investment faster creates more interest in investing in the first place. So taking down those barriers makes it much easier to, to buy and sell. And so now what we're seeing investors, whether they're small investors, mid-sized, large investors, are now looking at all markets. Because the, the question you... Go Finally, ahead. one of the things that helps Memphis... Memphis has always frustrated me a little bit because it's like, it, it feels like, you know, when you go into a gas station in some areas where they have the casinos in the gas station, mm-hmm. they got the quarters on the edge that are being held on by the magnets. And it always right. looks like the quarters about to tip over. That's how Memphis feels like to me. Right. The price is right. The rents are there, but will you ever be able to get out of it? Will the price, will the property ever appreciate and the ability to have some increased liquidity might increase people to come into those markets, right? Right. Well, and you still have to you have to do your research. I mean, look at a market like Memphis and understand the rental saturation, understand how many investors are buying there. Um, in a market like Memphis, you have to be really picky about where you buy and who you partner with. Memphis is a great market to buy from a turnkey provider, um, but you need to think about what you're buying and, and understand what you're in. And if you're buying it for the appreciation in anything shorter than five to 10 years, then I wouldn't recommend it, but yeah. we don't recommend that in anything we're doing. If you're buying now, buy yeah, for the yeah. long term. the market's going to go like this. Your investment's going to go slowly like this. So yep. it's, um, yeah, you know, Memphis is, is one of those markets that just, it was a great opportunity and people just jumped in and they still are. But look around Memphis. Look in the suburbs of Memphis. There's some great opportunities. Look in on all of these tertiary markets. You can yeah. go in and buy. You don't have to create operational scale. The, the thing that people used to come to us before, I mean, when I was doing this, um, you know, way before when it was, you know, in 2012, 15, people come to me and say, okay, what market is the next market that I have to go in and create right. scale and operations and all that? And we'd say, okay, let's research a bunch of markets. And we research all these markets, try to pick the right ones. Now it's like, hey, we're in 41 markets. And those aren't the only markets you can invest in. There's another 41 markets that would probably be good markets to invest in. You can buy one home in each market, buy five in one, 10 in another. It doesn't matter. You don't need that operational scale anymore. The efficiencies are there. And that's whether you're a single investor buying two or three properties or you're an investor that owns a thousand and wants to buy a thousand more, you can go in in multiple markets and the technology is there to operate in those markets. Got it. Yeah, I I feel like there's... uh, and, and that actually kind of makes me think of it like a, like another point or, or question for you. Like, so, uh, and maybe this is something you guys have thought about. Like, obviously, you guys are going to have a little bit of an advantage. You're you're collecting a ton of data. Will you ever use that or or leverage that as like a product that people can subscribe to or or buy? Of into? course. <laughs> so it, the hard part about our our data is it's limited to the properties that we manage. So, so you sometimes have to be careful because somebody might come to us and say, okay, you guys manage 2,600 homes in Kansas city. Well, what's your average, this, this, and this. It's like, well, first we have to compare the like homes to your portfolio. And that's, what's interesting in real estate. So, um, it's more about now our data is, is very valuable because we start to see trends and things like that, but 
now taking other data and and mashing it all together and really looking at that is important. That's one of the things that we're doing on our site. So you can start to, on our research center, and I'm not trying to plug what we're doing. It's just something I think is interesting. You can go in and type in accounting. Well, that's the whole point of me interviewing. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, I know. But still, is, is it, you can now research markets and see gross yields. Because yeah. that's the bad, that's the, you know, for those of you that are, are newer to investing, net yield is one thing, but my net yield and how I calculate that and Nate's net yield and how he calculates that could be totally different. Sure. Um, so the gross yield is much simpler because it's just the, 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 the price and, and, and the income of the property. And it's just very basic without thinking about all the expenses. And we run into this all the time with, with larger funds. They have higher operating expenses. You would think because they're bigger, they, they, they they have lower operating expenses, but they don't. Wow. People ask me how they can compete with large funds. Is that when you're a single investor, you can push down your operating expense much more than a large fund who has all this overhead that they have to manage. Yeah, yeah. You 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 outsource things on Fiverr or Upwork, or you cut it and you don't do it anymore. So. Right. Yeah. I want to ask you about something because obviously, you know, both of us have uh, a pretty strong passion for real estate um, and we work in this, um, you know, you guys are working directly with uh, uh, property owners and helping them take on or you're managing their properties, you're caring for their investments and we're helping people who want to do it hands on. Mm-hmm. And right now dominating a lot of the news and I don't like to get into news jacking or political topics on this show. I haven't done that yet. I'll save that for a whole nother show, but there's a lot of talk about affordability, housing crisis, um, and depending on how you want to slice it up, um, you know, I saw articles saying the median national rent was 1400 and that might be true. And I, I, I couldn't argue with it. I know in places it's cheaper, but I know in places it's way more. Yeah. Um, here's the question. And this is kind of a big one. I, I know I'm throwing this on you. Didn't really talk That's to you okay. about it, but. What responsibility do prop tech or real estate tech companies have in solving the affordability challenges? It's that is a tough question because I, I, the affordability is really born out of supply and demand. So more people want to live in single family homes. You can overbuild apartments all you want. And that may not, that's not going to help the affordability issue. And we're seeing that in some cities where they're overbuilding apartments, but the single family rents are staying high because people want to live in a home many times. Most of the time they get to a family. They may not, they, they want to own a house, but as we see with the new world marketplace and global marketplace, and how things work, people want to be mobile. Um, some of the biggest impediments I see to affordability are the regulations, the municipality regulations, the impact fees, the cost of labor, the cost of materials, all of those things you can you can track back to a political uh, side of things and supply and demand. And, and, you know, that's why this hot market is different than before, because it's born out of demand. And so there's not going to all of a sudden, everybody's not going to say they don't need a house. Even if there is some right. recession, there's still a demand for housing. There is not enough housing in general. I think 
it's a basic need. It's a basic need. And I think what's interesting are the baby boomers. Um, and, and, you know, I've read a lot about this in Chicago where you have baby boomers who's decided that they want to live in their houses forever because it right. just doesn't make sense to sell and buy a new house. And so they're retrofitting their homes for later in life. And those values of those homes are going to be worth less when somebody wants to buy it and live in it with their family because it's been fitted a certain way. There's been a lot of articles in Chicago. And then you're seeing a lot of millennial or a lot of baby boomers are selling their houses and moving into rental housing because of the way the the taxes are and way they can, you know, owning that house isn't as advantageous to them so they can rent, figure out other tax strategies. But um, baby boomers not moving out of their homes is a big issue. Um, and the homes that a lot of the baby boomers are living in are not homes that millennials want to buy. People are too big. What's that? Too big. Too big. I don't have time for cleaning that many countertops and cabinets. Right. So yeah, your, your mind is going to change when you get married and I I don't know, I don't know if you're married, but, uh, when when you get married, you have kids and you decide you want to go live in the suburbs, you may want a little bit bigger house, but that may not be your demand. You, you're you, the, the world we live in now is more about the experiences, which is great because yep. a life of experience is better than a life of material objects, in my opinion. So it's it, there, there's a lot of things happening. I think the, there's going to be an opportunity in the coming years for those larger houses as rental product, because you can buy the, the prices. I mean, that's where the market's pretty soft in those higher end houses and you the know, rise so. of generational housing. And leveraging McMansions to outfit those, I think, could be uh, great. Uh, Absolutely. Especially in places that have the full tall basement. I mean, you know, and the obviously the legislation changes in Oregon, enabling for multifamily in single family. Uh, Minnesota as well. Yep. Oh, Minnesota did something similar. Yep. Yeah. Okay. They, they yeah. just they stripped away the zoning. Um, and, and, you know, I. so, yeah, so there's a lot of. It's really, it's not an immediate fix. No, it's it's not an immediate fix. And that's why, you know, there's some markets that are going to suffer. Some markets, it's funny, you read a lot of the news articles and they talk about, you know, housing softened and they use Seattle, San Francisco, San Diego, New York, and a couple other markets. It's like growth markets that have the slightest cooling. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, no joke because those markets have just gone insane. And of course, I mean, common sense, but Overall, I mean, there's still demand. Um, the responsibility, though, back to your question, the responsibility of property investors and owners. Yeah, I mean, the the regulations that's coming about about uh, you know, which I think is is an issue with people who you know, there's some managers or some landlords who take advantage of tenants that. You know, for example, let's say it's a tenant who always gets his paycheck on the 10th of every month and they live paycheck to paycheck and then the rent's due on the 5th. And so, so the rent isn't 1500, it's actually 1600 because they're getting charged a hundred dollar late fee every month. Um, so things like that, but, but, um, enabling rent control and stuff like that. I mean, just, just recently Blackstone announced that they stopped, they bought a $5 billion development in uh, a multi-unit development in New York and they were in the middle of renovating it and they stopped. Now they're only going to do the minimum that's required by law because they can't raise the rents. So that's one extreme. Um, I think there's a responsibility, you know, I think there's an opportunity in that affordable housing world, a huge opportunity. But the fact is, is that people have to pay rent. 
subsidized housing yeah. Yeah. doesn't necessarily work. Um, and there's a lot of people who can't can't rent a house because they've had an eviction put against them, and it, and, and there's no way to to know if that was a proper eviction or not. But if you're a landlord and and you have a tenant that doesn't pay, you you also have to pay your mortgage and you also have to pay bills. So well, it's yeah, I have responsibilities. I'm going to mitigate risks, uh, and that's too high a risk for me to take. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I appreciate you trying to tackle that one. I think this is one I want to bring more into the conversation because, you know, it it affects us all. And I, I hear the the heart behind a lot of founders and leaders in this space. And I think this is connected to it. You know, it gets right back to people. It's real. So, well, uh, you, you know, one, one comment I have on that, too. You know, why don't we reform um, our college system? Oh, my gosh. How about that? Yes. Um, what would that do? to our economy. Now, now I'm not going to speak to like, should we forgive student loans? Um, public funding out of it, but that's my, I, I, it is, we've created a system that is, that is disabling our future generations, disabling them. And and that's as extreme as word as I can get. I mean, it is, it is hurting the future of our country by doing the things that we're doing. But we put together a lot and I had a, I, I grinded real hard, but in the last year I paid off, almost 40 grand in student debts within Excellent. the last year, not even the last. Well, you're months. fortunate. You're fortunate to yeah. be able to do that. A lot of people can't. No, no. They're going to die with no. their debt. Yeah. And, and actually one of those loans was at, uh, actually two of them were over 10% and I could not refinance, could not restructure because of the way they were, they were written, you know, and when I took out those loans, I was 23 and 24, I think. Yeah. Uh, I did not know what I was signing. I didn't have someone with my interests in mind. And, you know, my college absorbs none of the risk. They have gotten paid hand over fist. Yep. And truthfully, if you want to talk about uh, uh, predatory real estate property managers, it is the colleges. They're not in the education game. They are in a let me over rent small sell game. But that's that's a whole other story. But that is one of my favorite topics. Oh, I yeah. I love to talk about it. I can go on. I've, All right. Let's, yeah. let's shift to a more fun thing. We're going to go into a segment you're actually familiar with. You've gone through this before, but maybe some of the answers will have changed. This is a game I like to call For the Future. For the Future is the segment where I get to ask each guest that comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Noel, are you ready to play? I'm ready to play. All right. Let's do it. One year from now, what does Renter's Warehouse look like? One year from now, I think uh, Renner's Warehouse will have a very mature marketplace to buy and sell investment properties. Um, I think that you know, our, I, I, I'll predict that we are going to be doors under management, maybe double what we have. Well, and that's knowing some inside um, information there. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, there's been a ton of things happening in the iBuyer world. So watch out for that with Renner's Warehouse because um, it's, it's the model's been proven. And a comment on iBuyer, to think that Zillow and Redfin and all these guys are the first iBuyers, they're not. It's been around for a really long time. Those investors that come to you and say, I'll buy your house right now for X because they see the upside and it's, and they see that, you know, and you know, not everybody wants to go through that long process. And so we just stay tuned for that as well in the near term. Wow. All right. A little teaser right there. Clayton, if you're listening, 
Uh, question number two, what's the housing market look like one year from now? Um, I think we're going to see 5% appreciation throughout the next year overall in the housing market. Um, I think that, you know, yeah, eventually a recession is probably going to come, but I, I really, really, really highly doubt um, I would be willing to bet a lot on it that's not going to be caused by housing. Um, I think that you'll see some market softening. Um, you know, wage, wages can only go up so high. Values can only go up so high. There's something has to give. But I, I, um, I, I think there's going to be more regulation that's going to come in to, to reduce the regulation and, and the barriers of entries for builders to build. I've met with a lot of builders, a lot of really big builders that they would do more if they could, the reason they're shooting at the top or uh, higher end of the market is because of the cost of doing business. So mm. if we can strip away some of those things, I think that people are becoming more mobile, that people are living in and moving to more of these markets that have opened themselves up to business, um, that are not debt burdened um, states and counties and cities that, that they, you know, it's just, we're way, way mobile, way more mobile. I mean, when I left Chicago four years ago, um, the idea of working remote, people thought I was insane. Um, now I'm working remote now, and I've been doing Oklahoma it. will pay you 10 grand to move there if you're a remote worker. Exactly. Exactly. So um, th- our world is changing. Um, w- the yeah. question is going to be is when we look back at what is the new normal, what's the new normal in housing starts, what's the new normal in home sales. Um, I don't think looking back any further than the last year or two, is really does you, you can't look back during the recession. You can't look back before the recession. There is a new normal and, and I'd be interested to understand what that's going to be. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I love the charts that always go back to 2010 to prove a point on investment values. And it's kind of like, uh, well, that's not a skewed point at all. Yeah. No. <laughs> all right. Question number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? Realtors complaining about their commissions being compressed. Whoa. <laughs> so you you you, you don't continue, huh? Uh, look, uh, again, there's efficiencies and there's efficiencies in, in everything. And so um, the trend of, of there, there's a lot of things happening in the, in the real estate brokerage world and disruption. Um, and, and, you know, this is talking to somebody who we just started a real estate brokerage. I was going to say, you, you just started a brokerage. So you're not just talking about this from the outside looking in. Correct. You're getting, you're getting right in there. Yep. Yep, exactly. And, and I just think that a lot of changes are going to happen and, and the real estate agents listen to me. You have to get with the program take advantage of the technologies that are there, become more efficient, accept the iBuyers, accept all of those programs. I mean, we've just seen um, uh, Redfin and what was it? Open Door. Open Door partner together. Um, yeah, you're going to see some more partnerships like that. Trust me on this. And um, the, the lines are getting blurred. Um, it's no longer that somebody goes and calls a realtor and says, I want to buy a house. What somebody does, they look online and they get contacted by a lender. Then that lender refers them to a realtor. Why do you think some of the major lenders are all becoming licensed real estate brokerages in, wow. around the entire country? Because it's, I have been following that. Uh, follow it. So look at Loan Depot, look at um, Quicken Loans and a couple others that haven't announced yet that are 
creating these national brokerages. They are not yet, I don't know if they ever will, not yet are they are they hiring a bunch of agents, but what they're doing is they're referring. So they've gotten really good, they've gotten really good at taking people at the top of the funnel. So um, yep. you need to create value. Uh, I, I don't think there's gonna be a whole lot that comes from the commission lawsuit. Um, there is fallout from it because it's it's put a spotlight on the commission uh, on buyer commissions, and so they're negotiable. Uh, what do you think? Everything's negotiable. So if you don't bring value, you know you're not you're not gonna you're, you're, you're not gonna be successful. So bring value, totally. um, specialize in a lot. Yeah, that's one thing that. Uh doesn't happen a lot I get in the in the real estate agent world. Honestly, I hear people say, well, you never know. Someone might be ready to buy. I'm like, well, that's not a business plan. That is totally hoping. You need to yeah. dial it down. All right. We'll get to question number four here. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of technological advances? Uh, I think the, just the friction. Um, you can now, and it's happening now, the one thing is that you can... Um, Go online, buy online, communicate everything uh, virtually. Uh, real estate transactions no longer happen with paper signed documents. That's obvious. That's 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 gone. But commercial real estate right now, they still deal in spreadsheets. It's insane. Um, there's mm-hmm. still a lot of a lot of disruption that's happening. Um, so I think it's going to fade away. Is that uh, well? What I think won't fade away is that you still want to have somebody walk you through a process. You want to have a professional, somebody that you trust say, this is, you're doing the right thing here. Um, but there, there's less friction with that. And so all changes though. I mean, with the vacant unit, you don't have to have someone walk you through it. Right. You don't have to have someone walk you or open the door to just to, because they don't know who's walking in. You can verify beforehand. And in fact, you probably see this as a way better lead generation model. Oh, it is. And, and in fact, you can verify a tenant and qualify a tenant and have them do an application before they even walk in the door. And yeah, then they, your they don't even have to be you know, escorted by somebody. Now, our company, we always do that because we want that personal touch. But there's some markets where it doesn't make sense. In Chicago, for example, you, you know, if somebody calls you and says, hey, I want to look at this place right now. Um, and it's four miles away and it's four o'clock in the afternoon. There's no way you're going to get there and you're going to lose that customer because they're going to go around and find something else. So you want to want to give them access. So, um, those, those types of things and, and the oh, game behind stopping in Chicago again, man, it was terrible. It was oh, so painful. It's horrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, we're, we're winding down here. We got the last three. Um, we'll start off with this one. No, these are all about you. So your people, my people can get to know you better. Uh, what are you reading these days? Uh, what am I reading? So I have a book here I'm reading. That is never lose a customer again. Yes. Um, so it's, it's more about the relationship side of, of sales. Um, I love it. And it's great. I, I, you know, one of my favorite books that I've read several times is, is Mindset um, mm-hmm. by Carol Dreher. Yes. Yeah. Incredible book. Um, I believe that mindset is, is the driver of everything that you do. And having a growth mindset, you will uh, always be successful. Um, I believe, you know, uh, so I read a lot. I consume a lot of information. Um, I love 
podcasts. I listen to all kinds of podcasts. I love Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, a lot of people aren't quite sure what to think about the guy, but it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, but, but yeah, anything that, you know, I have children and, and, and teaching my children to have a growth mindset and not be fixed in their thinking. And that, that, you know, somebody tells you you're not good at something and then you believe it for the rest of your life. And, you, and you've agreed with that, um, which gets into the book, the four agreements is similar. Um, so just, you know, living that growth mindset and realizing that what you choose to do and your mindset behind it will dictate what, whatever, whatever happens in your life and your experiences are more important than what you own. Um, and, and, you know, your material things are less important than having a life experience. So. That's good. I love it. Uh, question number two, who are you learning from? So Gary Vaynerchuk, I learned a lot from, um, I learned a lot from my kids. <laughs> um, learn how to negotiate. Yeah. Learn how to negotiate and I learn a passion for life. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I try to learn from everybody. Um, I try to keep myself open to learning from everybody. Very cool. And last one here, what inspires you? Uh, giving, giving and, and, and sharing my passion and knowledge with, with others that inspires me. Um, I'm inspired to always push myself and that's why I'm, I'm active in sports and I ski race and I play rugby and, and I, um, do some crazy stuff like that. Um, I'm inspired by, you know, I, I live in a beautiful place. I'm inspired every time I walk outside and, and look at the world and realize that, uh, you don't have to be bound by many of the things that you, that you believe that you should be, you know, or believe you have to be bound by you. Yeah. You're, you're the master of your own domain. I know it's a cliche, but you can choose to do what you want and, and, and be happy. You have the choice. So that's, that's my inspiration. That's very cool. Well, we're going to, we're going to close out. No, this has been amazing. Uh, awesome. Thank you for bringing me on to your platform. And this episode, if we get edited in time, might be live for people who listen to podcasts the following week. Um, but uh, I appreciate well, you and your time and, and sharing all that you share. And I love watching the progress of Renner's Warehouse. You guys are doing something special. I appreciate it. And uh, LinkedIn Live, look at Nate and add him to the platform. Let's do it. Does some great things. So I'm an advocate. Um, and uh, Nate, I really appreciate it. And I'm going to have you actually on my show and I'm going to interview you soon. And we're going to talk it. about what you're doing at Avail. So oh, really boy. appreciate it. And uh, <laughs> all right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. All right, we'll see you. You Thanks. bet. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Nest podcast. Hey, don't forget, you can get on the email list so you never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T-E-C-H. Nest.io. Get on the email list. Uh, go to the App Store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email. Nate at realteampanda.com. That's Nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later. <laughs>